Ah, yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. Verses 9 and 10 says, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And then he answers, Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So if you're serious about your walk with God and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word line upon line. say our opening prayer and then we'll get right into Revelation chapter 7. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Father, and just thank you so much for the blessing uh, that we have and that we claim uh, to read the, the words of this prophecy and to hear them and to do them. And we thank you, Father, for the technology that we have that we're able to broadcast uh, what it is we understand uh, to all those who have an interest and an eagerness to understand your word and who love the truth. So, Father, we ask that you'll bless our study this evening and uh, help us, Father, to understand more perfectly your will and to do it. We ask this, Lord, in the holy and righteous name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And I just want to quickly review what we read in chapter 6. Uh, just beginning in verse 9, uh, we had seen the first four seals, Jesus Christ being worthy uh, to open the, the seals and do the will of God contained in these seals. He opens the first four, and we saw these four horsemen, a white horse, a, a red horse, a black horse, and a green horse, basically covering the earth. And uh, we mentioned that God has a controversy with his people, and he's driving them to repentance. And we looked at uh, ancient prophecies in Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Hosea that, that uh, align with Revelation and help us and Zechariah, and that helped us understand what these four horsemen were all about. After these four seals were opened, Jesus opened the fifth seal. And John writes, and when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God. So, so, so he, many were slain, 
but he saw those that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So somebody was trying to take this testimony away from them and they would not let it go. And they were true to their testimony and to their witnessing and to the truth of God and they were slain for that. And so John sees this symbol in heaven of, of the, these faithful witnesses and they cried out with a loud voice. This is, uh, uh, the Greek implies there's real clamoring there with, with all their energy. They are so distraught and they are just wondering how much longer, O Lord, holy and true, do you not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? So, and the dwelling there means like they are established. Evil is fully established on the earth. Satan has set himself up uh, with it was his heart's desire as the king of the earth. And they're, they're established. And, and these saints are just wondering, like, how much longer does this injustice, just does this evil go on? And we know that you're holy and true. We, we know that your word is true. So, so how much longer? And white robes were given unto them, unto every one of them. And it was said unto them, that they should rest yet for a little season, just a little, little while more. And, and you know, throughout the scriptures, as I'm reading the scriptures, what I'm seeing is the need for patience. Repeatedly, it, it seems the Lord delays his coming. When, when we think that it, it can't go on anymore, it's just a little while longer. God has his purposes and, and he's, he wants to see the righteous uh, saved and he wants to see the full extent of the evil. So that when, when evil men stand before him, they are without excuse. He has given them enough rope to fully show themselves who they are, enough rope to hang themselves. And so it's not about us. If it's about us, then it has to all stop right now. But it's not about us. And if it's about us, then we need to be raptured and taken away so that none of the, no, no evil befalls us. It's not about us. Or it's not, it's not solely about us. There's a big, big agenda here. There's a big, big plan that, that, that is unfolding. And we have the privilege of participating in this, this eternal, magnificent, phenomenal plan of God. And so white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were. And, and there's something here in, in, in the Greek where these are two different categories of people. There's their fellow servants and there's their brethren. Uh, just, I think we might see a little bit of what that might be in Revelation 7 as we continue here. Um, so, so fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So you have this wonderful honor. Uh, white robes have been given unto them and uh, they just have to now be patient that there are others that are going to be added to their number. And when that number is complete, then God is going to act. And verse 12, And I beheld when he opened the sixth seal. So that was the fifth seal. Now he opens the sixth seal. And lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. And we covered that on, on Sunday evening and just showed that you know both uh, underneath the wicked and above them, they have lost complete control. And this is really very important. This is an important seal for us as believers because many are going to come in Christ's name and they're going to deceive many. And they're going to say, oh, he's over here. Oh, he's over there. And the key to our understanding, which 
Christ told us in Matthew 24, and it's repeated here, is that as long as the wicked are established in the earth, as long as evil men are in positions of control, Christ is not coming. He comes when the wicked have lost control, when the the very ground beneath them is, is a massive earthquake and the sky above them is turned black and then the moon has become like blood. When they have zero control and they're frightened and they're crying for rocks to fall on them, that's when we look for Christ's return and not before. And so this is a really important point because we're going to see the deceivableness, the, the grand deception of the devil. And it is going to look like with the miracles and lying wonders, it's going to look like indeed there's something special going on here. And maybe in fact our Lord has returned. But the, the sixth seal is the key to our understanding. That as long as we're in the fifth seal and wicked men dwell, they're established on the earth, we're not looking for Christ's return. Our Lord returns when they lose control. And the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And when when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So, So he opened the fifth seal, that's the martyrdom of the saints. He opens the sixth seal, massive earthquake like the world has never seen before and signs in the heavens and then he opens the seventh seal now you'll notice with the seventh seal i jumped to chapter eight so that's the natural flow he opens the fifth seal he opens the sixth seal he opens the seventh seal but john inserts uh, an inset chapter so before he gets to the seventh seal chapter seven is inserted it's a it's a parenthetical uh, insertion. So it, it kind of breaks up the story flow. So we're going, it's, it's the same thing that we actually did ourselves when I asked you, you know, should, should we just continue from Revelation 5 and go right into, into the seals and, and sort of the, the, the quote unquote bad news, the rough news? Um, and we, we, we decided collectively it's better if we go to the end of the story. And, and get the good news and really understand where, where all of this is going. And then when we have a vision of where all of this is going, it puts the suffering that we're going to see in context. And in fact, this is the very thing that, that John has been inspired to do, is to uh, go into the sixth seal, to go to the seventh seal. But before he goes to the seventh seal, he, he's going to offer the believers encouragement. And this chapter is a very encouraging chapter for us as the people of God. So so let's be clear now that this is breaking up the story flow uh, in its symbolic language, and it's very encouraging. So let's now go into Revelation chapter 7. And after these things, I saw four angels. And what were these four angels doing? He says here, I saw four angels, and they were standing on the four corners of the earth. So if we look here at the four, the way, you know, North Pole, South Pole, East, West, we get this image of the four corners of the earth. So he saw these angels and they were standing on the four corners of the earth. And it says, and after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth nor on the sea, 
nor on any tree. So, so he's, he sees these angels that are standing on the four corners of the earth. They're ready to go and they're holding the four winds back so that the wind does not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels. So the four angels are ready. This angel cries out to them, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. So they have a mission. And their mission is, is one of destruct, it's a destructive mission. They're, they're coming to punish the earth. But this angel calls out to them saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, until we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So this is really interesting because Satan is a counterfeiter. And everything that God has, everything that God sets up, Satan wants to set up as counterfeit so that he can be like the Most High. So the same way that God seals his servants in their forehead, this is the same thing that Satan does, and we'll see that when we get to chapter 13. But here he, it says, And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. So he has this, this harlot. Uh, God has this beautiful, pure bride. He's got this filthy harlot. The bride is sealed with God's sign in their foreheads. Those that participate and commit fornication with the harlot, they're also sealed. And they also have something in their foreheads. Now, the, this sealing harkens back, and I think most of us are familiar with this, to a prophecy in Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel 9, it says, He cried also in my ears with a loud voice. So same, same language cried in my ears with a loud voice saying cause them that have charge over the city to draw near even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand so same thing the angels are coming through now to destroy and behold six men came from the way of the higher gate which lies toward the north and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand so this could be a sword that would be my guess that it's a sword we don't know and one man among them was clothed with linen and with a writer's inkhorn by his side. And I don't know if you know what a, a writer's inkhorn looks like. And again, just apologize for the, uh, the setup of the technology here, but uh, just very quickly take a look at a, a writer's inkhorn. And that's what that looks like. <clears throat> so he's ready to now um, go ahead and, and, and seal uh, with this writer's inkhorn. So the writer's inkhorn was in his hand. And he says here, uh, a writer's inkhorn by his hand. And they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub. So now the glory of Israel departs, whereupon he was, to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the middle of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. And it's always, remember, the, the, the focal point of God's plan is always Jerusalem. Through the midst of Jerusalem. And set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that are done in the midst thereof. So we just need to push pause here and just think about this for a minute. Jerusalem is God's holy city. 
It is, it is marked for great things. The new Jerusalem is going to come down and it's going to be established here in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is going to be the center of the new creation. And God has his people established in Jerusalem. And now these angels are going to go through, or this angel is going to go through with an inkhorn, and he's going to set a mark on the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that are done in the middle of Jerusalem. So what is striking here? is that God's people in Jerusalem don't care. There's abomination taking place in Jerusalem, in the midst of the city, and God's people don't care. So now God is going to unleash his fierce anger upon his people, but he's going to separate out those who actually care, who are grieved, who sigh and cry for all of this abomination in Jerusalem. And, and we see the same thing now in the end time. There's going to be a division between Israel that loves the truth, Israel that is grieved by the evil that is being done in the world, in God's name, and Israel that doesn't care. Israel that in fact is participating in these uh, abominations. And so those that sigh and cry, which should be all of us, are going to be marked. And this mark is to be protected from God's wrath. And I think many times people um, misread this and they think that this mark is going to protect us from the tribulation. But we're going to see that, no, in fact, those that are sealed come through the great tribulation. And, and, and we just saw in chapter 6, God is waiting to add more to the number of the martyrs. So the seal is not about being protected from physical harm. The seal is about being protected from God's wrath upon Israel for the abominations that are done in the land and God's wrath upon all evil men for the abominations that are being done against his will and against his people. Verse 5, And to the others, he said in my hearing, so once they're marked, go you after him through the city. So first he goes through the city. He marks those that are grieved for the abomination. Then he says to the others, in, in, and this is what Ezekiel heard, go you after him through the city and smite and let not your eyes spare. Neither have you pity. Slay utterly. He's talking about his people. Let's not con get confused here and think he's talking about evil men in general. This is about Jerusalem, and this is about the people in Jerusalem who couldn't care less. Slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children, and women. And so how is this going to be done? Well, there's going to be some kind of force that comes in that is being directed and being given permission. You know, that, that uh, rider on the white horse, uh, uh, victory was given to him. He, 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 he was wearing a crown. It was granted to him. And so something of force is now granted permission to come in and slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children. And God has had it, and women. But come not near any man upon whom is the mark. And begin at my sanctuary. Begin at the holiest place. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house, who I'm sure they thought highly of themselves. These ancient men, I'm sure they were well-respected and they had a great regard for themselves. And God says, begin there. 
back to Revelation 7. So he's, these angels then, or these angels with the, is going to seal uh, those that are God's people. He's going to set a seal upon their forehead. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. So he doesn't see anything, but he's listening. And he heard the number that were sealed. And there were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. So what's interesting here is that he is, um, i just get this image here. What's interesting here with the 144,000 is it really is a picture of completion. It is 12 times 12. And sorry, we just have this flipped around. It's 12 times 12. So it's 144,000, which is 12 times 12 times 1,000. So what, what this is really, and remember, and we mustn't get confused here, this is all symbolic language. So I, I think many people think it's literally 144,000 and no more. Uh, I think what God is showing us here is this is a complete set of his people. This is the complete set of all of the righteous uh, of, within Israel. So here's 104,000. It's 12 times 12 of all the tribes of Israel. So God, right here, God is fulfilling all of the outstanding promises that he has to Israel. And we've covered that, we've touched on that uh, in previous chapters, where all of these prophets come and they pronounce the greatest of judgments, the fiercest of God's wrath upon his people, Israel and Judah. And these very same prophets then turn around and they foresee a time of millennial setting, a time when Israel will be reestablished, a time when Israel will, will rule with Christ. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of strange, like what's going on here? There's all this judgment, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Hosea, Amos, all of them are pronouncing judgment on Israel and on Judah. And every single one of them then sees a time when Israel and Judah are established in Jerusalem. They're established in the land. And so here, this is how those prophecies then are now fulfilled. God is the God of his word. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed... 12,000. And that's significant now. So, so we're going through the 12 tribes. Notice the position of Judah. Judah was the fourth born son of Leah. And so he's not the firstborn. But we know from Genesis, when we read the story of Joseph, that that whole process that Joseph went through, while Joseph was going through that process, Judah went from being, you know, what I would call a scoundrel uh, to becoming a, a mature man. And he, he grew up and he took responsibility. And because he took responsibility and was willing to risk his own life in order to save uh, Benjamin and, and ultimately Joseph, uh, he was then recognized by his father, Jacob. And a great blessing was pronounced upon him. And so now we see that, you know, the scepter will never depart from Judah. And here now, as uh, John hears the, the different tribes being counted out, Judah is in pride of place. Judah is in primary position. Of the tribe of Judah were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephilim, Nephthalim were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh were sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon were sealed 12,000. 
of the tribe of Levi were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Isachar were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Zebulun were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Joseph were sealed 12,000, of the tribe of Benjamin were sealed 12,000. So 12,000 from each of the tribes. Uh, some have noted here that the tribe of Dan is absent and have noted uh, in scripture, I believe it's in Judges, where Dan leads the Israelites into idolatry, and that could be the explanation as to why Dan is left out and Joseph uh, is Joseph and Manasseh. Now, here, like dealing with the children of Israel, uh, the prophecy in Hosea chapter 1, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take you a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. So he wants Hosea to experience what it's like to be God who's married to an unfaithful unfaithful wife. For the land has committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. And she conceived again, verse 6, and bare a daughter. And God said to him, Call her Loru Hama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel, but I will utterly take them away. And so God is faithful to his word, and that's why Israel has suffered. All the twelve tribes of Israel, not just Judah, have suffered the way they have. So here he says, I will have, um, uh, this is the northern tribe, the northern kingdom, sorry, that he will have no more mercy on the northern kingdom, the house of Israel. I'll utterly take them away. So Assyria came in and took them away. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah, that's the southern tribes. And I will save them by their Lord, by the Lord their God, and will not save them by bow, nor by sword, nor by battle, by horses, nor by horsemen. And so we know the prophecy that um, uh, the king, and I've just escaped to my name right now, he was raised up, and then Judah was able to go back to um, uh, go back to uh, Jerusalem. And uh, that king was actually anointed by God, even though he was a pagan king. Now, when she had weaned, Lohurama, she conceived and bare a son. Then God said, call his name Lo-Ami. Lo meaning not, Ami, people. For you are not my people, and I will not be your God. Yet the, so, so again, this is an example of this dynamic that we see from the prophets. There's this great condemnation on Israel and Judah. So here's the condemnation, followed by the opposite, a restoration. That, that, that this sort of second exodus, this great second exodus is going to take place. Verse 10, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. That king actually was Cyrus that uh, I was trying to remember. So here, yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. So there's this great condemnation of them, and yet their number shall be as the sand of the sea. Now this notice this part of the prophecy here which cannot be measured nor numbered. And I think this is why I would say that the 144,000, 12 times 12 times 1,000, is just symbolic of completeness. This is a complete set of God's people. But the promise is that when God's people are established, they will not be numbered. And it shall come to pass that in that place where it was said unto them, you are not my people, that's in Jerusalem, there it shall be said to them, you are the sons of the living God. And so God, this is God's plan. He's, he is the God of Israel. And despite Israel's unfaithfulness, despite Israel's whoredoms, he is faithful to the covenant. And so Israel will be established and the whole world will be blessed when Israel is established. Then shall the children of Judah 
and the children of Israel be gathered together. So all 12 tribes will be gathered together and appoint themselves one head and they shall come up out of the land for great shall be the day of Jezreel. So that's just one example of these constant prophecies where Israel will be punished for their unfaithfulness, Israel and Judah, and then Israel and Judah will be established because of God's faithfulness. Back to Revelation. So I heard the number of them which were sealed and they were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of Israel. And then I mentioned here that uh, Judah was in pride of place and that's coming from the prophecy. So uh, Revelation, all the prophecies that are outstanding in the Old Testament going all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to Genesis 3, all of these prophecies, God completes them in Revelation. And so here we see in Genesis 49, when Jacob pronounced this blessing on Judah. Judah, and this is after he was impressed with Judah's maturation, that he came to maturity. Judah, you are he whom your brethren shall praise. And that's what Judah means, praise. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. So that's going to be fulfilled, even though they're going to suffer, but it's going to turn around. And we see that in Zechariah, Zechariah 12 and 14. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you are gone up. He stooped down, he couched as a lion, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And so Judah has pride of place, and Shiloh is coming, and, and that's that's all these prophecies are fulfilled back to revelation 7 and after this i beheld so now first john hears and he hears the 144,000 counted out of 12,000 from each tribe he then looks and what does he see after this i beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number so of all, all nations, so all nations meaning those 12 tribes that he heard counted out, when he looked, he didn't see the 12 tribes. When he looked, he saw this massive, great multitude from all nations. He, he didn't look and say, you know, and then I saw the 12 tribes and beside the tribes, I saw this great multitude. He hears the tribes counted out. When he turns and looks, he sees this great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues. So God is not a racist. God is not saying, you know, I'm against all nations. In fact, we know that Egypt, Assyria, and Israel are going to be partners together serving God. So everybody has this, this blessing of coming into Israel. So, so all nations are going to be part of this great salvation. So he says, I, I, all, all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And I think that palms in their hands is very interesting. So when we look at this palms in their hands, this goes back to Leviticus and the Feast of Tabernacles. Also in the 15th day of the seventh month, when you have gathered in the fruit of the land, you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. 
On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And you shall take on you the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And you shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You celebrate it in the seventh month. So we know that this millennial rule of Christ is pictured by the Feast of Tabernacles. And we know that when Christ returns, he's going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's going to be a great feast for everyone. And so this seems preparatory, the fact that they have these um, palm palm trees uh, in their hands, or palms in their hands, seems preparatory to the celebration of the, the Millennial Feast. Now, This feast, then, in Zechariah, what we see is this, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And it shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, even upon them, shall be no rain, no rain at all. And if the family of Egypt go not up, so whoever these people are, they have such a grudge and such a hatred for uh, Jerusalem and for the Jewish nation that they they refuse to go up, they refuse to submit. Well, uh, if they don't come, they'll have no rain and they're going to starve. And there shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. So it seems like this is uh, preparatory, the fact that palms are in their hands. It's preparatory to this feast celebration. And this is what's going to happen to those human beings that are left, that refuse to, be, to participate in this great feast. And here, uh, the other scripture I wanted you to see is Isaiah 25. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. So we're going to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles with mankind. And, and God is going to lift this, uh, says here in verse, 20, in verse 7, and he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people. So atonement pictures the binding of Satan and his deceptive ways will be stopped. God is going to lift this veil Uh, then the people can come into the Feast of Tabernacles. And this uh, said 144,000 of all tribes, uh, this great multitude of people, um, we are going to help as king priests to facilitate the worship of Jesus by all these people on the earth. And he will destroy in this mountain. And so this veil, this deception will be lifted and they'll finally understand the plan of God and the will of God and this veil that is spread over all nations will be uh, removed. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. So Judah is in pride of place, and God is going to make the whole world know that Judah has his uh, scepter, and that he is in pride of place, and everyone will acknowledge that God is the God of Israel. For the Lord has spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. And this is the Lord. And we have waited for him, and and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. 
Now look at Isaiah 60. I love this passage. In Isaiah 60, verse 10, And the sons of strangers shall build up your walls. So this this priestly nation. Now, all these human beings are going to come, and they're going to serve and acknowledge that these people are the priests of God. These are the kings of God. And so the sons of strangers shall build up your walls, and their kings shall minister unto you. For in my wrath I smote you, but in my favor have I had mercy on you. And again, we constantly see this dynamic of God being angry with his people, of punishing his people, but then remembering his covenant with Abraham and restoring his people. Therefore your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day nor night, that men may bring unto you the wealth of the Gentiles, and that their kings may be brought. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. So we just saw that in Zechariah, that if they will not come and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles and acknowledge this royal priesthood, they're going to get the plagues and they're going to perish. Yet those nations shall be utterly wasted. The glory of Lebanon shall come unto you, the fir tree, the pine tree, and the box together to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons also of them that afflicted you shall come bending unto you. So, you know, I think it was very clear to us that the uh, Islamic nations have a, a intense hatred for Judah and an intense hatred for the nations of Israel. And uh, what God is saying here is that their sons that afflicted you are going to come bending unto you. And all they that despised you shall bow themselves down at the soles of your feet. And they shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. So there's this full acknowledgement. We were lied to. We thought God was with us. And we acknowledge now God is the God of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken. So God says that Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by armies. And that whole prophecy in Matthew 24 uh, he begins it by saying, do not be deceived. And so the deception is for us to believe that God has forsaken Jerusalem. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no man went through you, I will make you an, an eternal excellency, a joy of many generations. You shall also suck the milk of the Gentiles and you shall suck the breast of kings. And you shall know that I, the Lord, am your savior and your redeemer the mighty one of Jacob. So Jacob's going to suffer, uh, both Judah and the, 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 the tribes of Israel, the nations of Israel, but then God's going to save, save us. For brass I will bring gold. So there's going to be an upgrade. For brass I will bring gold, and for iron I will bring silver, and for wood brass, and for stones iron. So everything gets upgraded. I will also make your officers peace and your exactors righteousness. Violence, imagine this, violence shall no more be heard in your land, wasting nor destruction within your borders. Imagine that. So all, all we know about the Middle East now and all we know about Jerusalem is just constant violence, constant war, constant rioting. Uh, but there's going to come, come a time when Jerusalem truly will be Jerusalem, the city of peace. But you shall call your walls salvation and your gates 
praise. Back to Revelation chapter 7. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hand. So again, it's very important that we understand that God is working with all nations. And these, this first, these are the first fruits. These first fruits are being grafted into Israel from all nations. As long as they repent and accept uh, the whole, and receive the Holy Spirit, we are, all, we are all grafted in and we are all Israel. And this, is, this, this, this multitude that, that uh, John sees from all nations and all tongues, all kindreds, this, this is uh, a fulfillment of the prophecy in Genesis 12, the prophecy to Abraham. Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get you out of your country and from your kindred and from your father's house unto a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless you and curse him that curses you. And in you shall all families of the earth be blessed. Well, here we see the beginning of that promise, where all families of the earth are blessed, because this 144,000 symbol really represents all nations, all families. And that's just the beginning. That We are now set up as the priesthood to facilitate the grafting in to Israel of the whole world. And so by the time we get to the end, Revelation chapters 21 and 22, we see all mankind that is repentant grafted into Israel. We see the new Jerusalem come down from heaven with the 12 gates, that the only way into the, into the new Jerusalem is through one of the gates of Israel. So therefore, all those that are saved and that have offices in the new Jerusalem, we will all come through one of the gates of Israel. Going back to Revelation 7, um, so that fulfills the prophecy to Abram, to Abraham. And then in verse 10, And he cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And I think it's important that we juxtapose or, or position um, Revelation 7.10 with Revelation 6.10. So this crying with a loud voice is the same clamoring in the same intensity as the crying with the loud voice of the martyrs who are saying how much longer now there's this loud voice from this great multitude which includes these same martyrs saying salvation to our God which sits upon the throne and unto the lamb so so where there was this angst and and grief it's now replaced with intense joy intense joy in God and in his salvation. And as he says, the psalmist, the sweet psalmist David said in Psalm 3.8, same thing that they're echoing, salvation belongs to the Lord, his blessing is upon his people, Selah. Revelation 7, continuing in verse 11, And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, I keep calling them beasts, I'm going to say living creatures, just to separate um, what are truly beasts and wild animals that consume and destroy, versus these, these uh, angelic living creatures. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four living creatures and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. He's just such a good God. He's such a holy God. And, and what he has accomplished 
for mankind and through mankind. Uh, it's just such a phenomenal thing that, has, that he has done through Jesus Christ, who became a man and had such great love for Israel that he suffered and opened not his mouth because he was determined to redeem Israel. And he was the only one then that, that is worthy to open the seven seals and to perform God's will and to redeem Israel. And so now we see this redemption and this just great uh, glorying and praising of what, a, what, a, what an awesome God, what a holy God, what, what a loving God. It's just such a, what a merciful God. And so they worshipped him, saying, Amen. So they agreed with what all these uh, saints are saying, at, at how holy God is in his salvation, how awesome it is. And they say, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? So, so he heard this counting out of the 144,000. He turns around. He sees this mixed multitude that no one can number. They all have white robes. And so the angel, one of the elders, asks him, Who are these people? that have all these white robes, and where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, you know. He, he, he had, John had no idea. He hears this counting out. He looks. He sees this great multitude. Where did they come from? He has no idea. And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation. So he saw this is sort of the closing bracket to the opening bracket, which he saw with the fifth seal, where he saw the martyrs and they cried out and they said, how much longer? And white robes were given to them and they said, wait, there's going to be more that are going to be added to your number. And now we see this whole full complement, which is symbolized by the number 144,000 and they all have white robes. And, and he's, where did they come from? And he said, these are they which came out of great tribulation. So they were willing to pay the ultimate price because of their love of God and their love for the truth. And they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And this washing of the robes is a callback to uh, what, what Moses did with Israel when they were to meet God. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes. And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should... Oh, sorry, so that was uh, Exodus, so... Uh, with the white robes, with the washing of their clothes. Here we see them washing their clothes um, in the blood of the Lamb. Uh, and again, it's this, this preparation to be prepared to meet God. And so going back to what we saw in the fifth seal, white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they, they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And so I just wanted to repeat this because this sealing of God's people in their foreheads, let's not misunderstand this or misinterpret this to mean that, oh, when we get sealed in our forehead, no harm will come upon us. Uh, I think we need to read this the other way. 
when we get sealed in our foreheads, we now have the iron will of God to withstand any persecution and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is the sealing. And it is with that martyrdom that we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb. That we, we, we believe in the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we believe that that is the key to the salvation of mankind. And no matter what anyone says, we are holding on to that testimony and we are declaring that testimony faithfully. And even if that costs us our lives, that is the process of washing our robes in the blood of the Lamb. And I think this, this uh, really satanic deception of the rapture that says that, oh, don't worry, nothing's going to happen to you. When it starts to heat up, you'll be whisked away, you'll be in heaven, everything's fine because you're so important and the world revolves around you. In fact, the whole universe revolves around you, so you'll be in heaven, and then when all the trouble is over, you'll come back down. Uh, this is just, this is not what the scripture says. The scripture says we love God so much that you know, we, we love not our lives unto the death, that we are quite resolved to give up our lives for this truth and what it means. In the same way that God conquered evil through the love of Israel, we conquer evil through the love of God. And so there's this inset chapter now of chapter 7, just to give us this encouragement that death is nothing. Death is nothing. Eternal life is everything. And we wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb and then we stand in this great mixed multitude of the first fruits being prepared to celebrate this great feast and bring all mankind into the truth as this deception is lifted from them and we can then minister unto them and bring them to God. And now that rolls us into Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. And when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. It was just silent. There was such anticipation for what happens in this seventh seal, such awe and shock and wonder that in heaven, there was silence, waiting to see what this seal would unfold as the, as the history and the story of mankind and God's love for mankind comes to its conclusion. And that's where we will go next week when we cover Revelation chapter 8. What a wonderful blessing it is to understand what God is doing on the earth and to be a part of it. Jesus Christ is our Lord our Savior, our King, our Husband. What a beautiful, loving God He is. We declare Him King, and we will witness no matter what. God bless.